Hey, everybody, this is Tamara. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. What makes me an alcoholic is, you know, when I take a drink, I want more, right? That's, that's the, uh, the physical um, allergy. And then, and then uh, when I stop drinking and I don't have any alcohol in my system, I can't stay stopped. And that's the mental obsession for me. While there are some steps that we really have to work, a lot of the steps are steps that you just take. We take the first step, we, you know, we take the second step. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. My name is Michael Lynn from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I'm Lee McGinnis from Leesburg, Virginia. As members of the recovery community, we created this podcast as a way to provide experience, strength, and hope through the lens of the Daily Reflection book. Each day, we interview members of the recovery community in the hope that their experience may provide inspiration. We value inclusion and diversity, and we really want to provide a platform for all the voices of recovery. We aren't affiliated with any 12-step or recovery program, but you may hear these mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Hey, before we get to the show, I'd like to ask a favor. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it'd be great if you could leave us a comment or a rating. This is going to do a couple of things. It's going to help us expand our reach and improve the show. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey, Lee, who's in the studio today? Hey, Mike. So today we have Tamar from Fairfax, Virginia in the studio today, and um, it's May 10th. So we're going to be talking about the daily reflection for today, which is free at last. Tamar, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. We get started in the same way every day. We ask the guest to read the daily reflection for the day. Would you help us get started? I sure would. Um, This is the daily reflection for May 10th. It's titled Free at Last. Another great dividend we may expect from confiding our defects to another human being is humility, a word often misunderstood. It amounts to a clear recognition of what and who we really are, followed by a sincere attempt to become what we could be. Um, That's from the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 58. I knew deep inside that if I were ever to be joyous, happy, and free, I had to share my past life with some other individual. The joy and relief I experienced after doing so were beyond description. Um, Almost immediately after taking the fifth step, I felt free from the bondage of self and the bondage of alcohol. That freedom remains after 36 years, a day at a time. I found that God could do for me what I couldn't do for myself. That's awesome. Thanks for reading, Tamar. And before we get started, what is your sobriety date? It is February 20th of 2015. Awesome. So celebrate it uh, uh, six years, two months ago. Oh, congratulations. As you read this, what pops out to you right off the bat? Well, um, like more generally, uh, without focusing on the fifth step, I mean, obviously one of the the most important gifts of the program for me is freedom, right? Like I um, am no longer a slave to the bottle. I'm no longer, uh, you know, a slave to my own tiny little world of, you know, what, what, what's affecting me and and what I need and want and, and, you know, forget everybody else. Um, You know, when it talks about humility, I think, Humility is, is in a lot of ways, uh, the opposite of self-centeredness. So, you know, when, when I'm self-centered, the center of the world, I'm the most important thing in the world. When I'm humble, 
I, I can see myself as a as a, a small but important part of this world of of the community around me of AA of of whatever and um and that does take a big weight off my shoulders and allows me to be more free so um and with regards then more specifically to how it's relating to the fifth step when i shared my fifth step with my sponsor i mean a, a big thing of it it was you know he didn't have such a you know huge reaction right like i wasn't um you know all all these uh terrible things from my past that i shared with another person it uh you know that that maybe i thought uh made me you know i guess i don't want to say special or unique but uh you know i was you know bad in a in a way that most that people couldn't understand maybe or or you know something you know i, I found out that I was, you know, just a, another human being and uh, that I could be accepted. And um, um, I don't feel like it was an instant, the, the fifth step had an instantaneous effect on me as, as it does so many people. Like it wasn't, um, you know, like I was, you know, heavily weighed down with all of this. And then suddenly I was uh, free from all of it. I feel like my free freedom has grown throughout the program, I was already starting to experience some, some freedom before the fifth step and, and afterwards, uh, it continued to grow. Um, but I, I, I feel that that's why they're relating it to the fifth step is the, uh, you know, um, the, it does make me more humble. It does give me that gift of humility to, um, you know, share those, uh, you know, share everything that I think is, you know, dark about my past and and my resentments and fears and, uh, and wrongdoings and stuff. So the fifth step is some people have this, like you said, where it's more educational and, you know, sharing it can be difficult, but once you do, you, it starts to open you up. And, you know, in some ways I can relate to that. Before we get too far into the steps and too far into your recovery, can you tell us a little bit about what it was like before you came in? You know, I, I definitely, you know, throughout high school, I, I was mostly, I, I, I drank, but it was probably more focused on weed. Got to college and uh, definitely drank more, but it was my second semester of college. So I, I you know, I'm diagnosed bipolar. Uh, so that's another part of my story. And I, um, when the second, my, my second semester of college came in and I moved into, uh, this apartment and I, and I had a, a couple, you know, uh, emotional upheavals, uh, right before then a breakup of, you know, my first serious girlfriend. And then, um, I, I crashed a car driving on the way down to college. And I just remember, I was in, you know, one of like the deepest and darkest depressions of my life. And that was the first time I remember feeling like I needed to drink every day. Um, like it just, I couldn't, um, could be a pretty heavy drinker uh, before then. I mean, I partied hard for sure. Uh, again, you know, for a long time, weed was my primary drug of choice, not alcohol. But but then it was, uh, you know, that that's when it was crystal clear to me that um, I needed to drink on a daily basis. Just uh, um, when I was uh, 
in that state and in that place. Um, so uh, I ended up withdrawing from college. Um, I ended up getting my, my mom checked me into a, uh, I, I believe a dual diagnosis, 28 day program. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I came into AA. I mean, I was exposed to AA for the first time then. And I, I can say that like, I knew right away it was for me, <laughs> but I wasn't ready yet. You know, like I definitely relate it right away. Like I, um, I, I knew that these were my people, but I was very far from ready to, for long, you know, uh, to, to commit to the program and begin this new life. Um, so then following into how I got in this time. So there was a lot of um, in and out of the, the program, uh, lots of just stints of sobriety, you know, two weeks here, a couple months here where, I would just um, come in and uh, be a part of um, meetings. And, and to me, it's like this, you know, uh, of, of the two parts of, of what it is to be an alcoholic, like what makes me an alcoholic is, you know, when I take a drink, I want more, right? That's, that's the, uh, the physical um, allergy. And then, and then uh, when I stop drinking, and I don't have any alcohol in my system, I can't stay stopped. And, and, and that's the mental obsession uh, for me um, to put it as briefly as possible. A lot more can be said about that, but um, the, you know, just going to meetings was enough to lift the mental obsession. Um, and in fact, uh, one of those stints in sobriety, I stayed sober for more than a year. Um, I did, you know, kind of get a sponsor, but sponsor only a name. I didn't really, uh, work much steps with him. And then it just kind of, uh, stopped off. And then, you know, after I got to around a year, I, I started, um, feeling like I was hearing the same old thing in meetings and, um, you know, just getting tired of it, started going to meetings less and less. And, um, you know, uh, showing up late, trying to, you know, watching the clock to, to, to leave and just wasn't so suddenly wasn't getting anything out of the meetings. Right. And, and then, um, stopped going altogether. And then a while after that, I mean, probably a few months after that, I picked up a drink again and, and, you know, I bring that up because, the, you know, there's a third part that my sponsor, um, has, uh, you know, explained to me since then, which is, uh, the spiritual malady, right. Which, you know, also could be talked about for a while, but you know, the simplest way he puts it to me is that, you know, eventually I'm going to get restless, irritable and discontent and find it necessary to pick up that first drink. And so, you know, looking back, it's really clear to me that it's my, it's, it's my disease that started making me feel like, there was nothing really special in the meetings that I wasn't, um, you know, it was my, my disease was just pushing me to a relapse over, over a long, long period. So it was, um, because, you know, uh, when I'm, you know, when I'm active in the program, I can get a lot out of pretty much every meeting I go to, you know, I mean, some are better than others, but, um, and, and the way I see it today is that, you know, only the steps will lift, will, will save me from that spiritual malady. 
So I'm sorry. I know I've talked a long time, but just to get into what led me into the rooms this past time, um, you know, I, I had my first daughter with my wife and um, um, about when she was about uh, a year old, I guess she was getting close to a year old. I was getting bad again. Um, and uh, things with my wife weren't very good. And she took my daughter to Peru, where she's from, uh, to get away from me. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, just needed to just get away from, I guess, uh, my disease and, and, you know, my act of alcoholism, uh, which is understandable. So, of course, this was pretty great for me. I could just do what I want, drink, drink the way I want, wanted to, didn't have to worry about things. Um, and, and that's, you know, kind of how I viewed it. And we would speak on the phone usually about once a day, usually, you know, pretty close to the same time. And, you know, I would make sure, you know, my, my heavy drinking hadn't started by then. And, uh, but I, uh, you know, was, was definitely work, working around that schedule and kind of, we kind of patched things up over the phone. She was gone for about five or six weeks and, uh, you know, thought, you know, managed to convince her things were turning around for me. And, um, and uh, so my, my one plan <laughs> was to uh, pick up my wife and my daughter from the airport uh, sober and um and i couldn't do that so <laughs> i uh i picked her up uh you know stinking of booze she was you know flabbergasted even though i had pulled things like that many many a time before uh but still it floored her when things like this happened and um and there was just something about that whole situation that gave me um that incomprehensible demoralization that, you know, it was, it was really an internal bottom for me, right. Um, from the looks of things, um, that, that bottom was on the outside, not nearly as bad as some other bottoms I'd had, um, whether it was ending up in the hospital or jail or, you know, losing a car and losing this and that, and just having nothing. You know, I still had those things, I still had the job, I still had the home, I still had uh, the car, um, but internally, um, that moment just gave me the gift of desperation, I guess, where I was like, all right, I know what I need to do. I've known it for a long time, right? Like, I've known for a long, long time that the solution is in these steps that I don't really want to bother with. Um, and, you know, I've gone to enough meetings. I've been to hundreds of, of meetings, uh, if not, if not, you know, if not more than a thousand in, in all those years. And um, so I knew the deal and I just um, suddenly had the willingness to do the deal. So I, I, I went to a meeting that next day. I, my sponsor was leading that meeting and, you know, uh, definitely feel like, you know, God was at work in that because he was also leading the meeting and he, he talked briefly on every single one of the 12 steps, which is, you know, I went into that meeting knowing that this is, this is what I need to go do. And, 
Um, so I do feel like my higher power brought us together. And uh, I asked him after the meeting to be um, a sponsor. And, you know, uh, he said, you know, yeah, are you uh, prepared to, to, to do what it takes? Or, you know, we have to meet once a week to do step work. And, um, and you got to call me. And, and, and I was like, yes, 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 I was ready. And, and we got to work right away. I'm listening to your story and I'm, I'm just sort of struck with this feeling of just pain, like just years and years of trying to keep the thing going, knowing that you got to do something, going in and out, in and out, listening to the steps, knowing there the solutions there somewhere, but just not being ready. It just sounds, sounds exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm glad you made it back in this time. So tell us about the journeys clearly from the bondage of bottle and bondage of self through the steps, through the process of discovering, you know, who you are, um, what's changed this time? What's different? Well, for one thing, you know, it's something I, I, I mentioned usually when I'm asked that is like in those, when I was going in and out for so long, you know, I had kind of like the firm belief that whenever I would go back out, I, I, I get to where I was just like, I, I, I have to, I have to have a drink, you know, like uh, forget this. And you know, I'm going back out and I, I decided I was going back out. Um, but I, I, I had the belief that I would just make it back in after a, a few days or a few weeks or whatever, it would be no, no problem. I'll get back in and I'll start over. You know, one thing is today I know that I have absolutely no control over what happens when I take the first drink. Right. Like, like, yeah, I mean, it worked out to be true quite a number of times. Um, a lot of times I spent out way longer than I had initially planned. Uh, but you know, I never know when, um, even if it's not leading to death or, or, or prison, which it very well might, you know, it might just lead to the place where I, can ne ne never bring myself to come back into the rooms or um, yeah, I just, I just can't, I, I can't, you know, just get dry enough to, to uh, get this program again. So one thing I know today and that I carry with me is that I don't know what's going to happen if I take the first drink and, you know, I don't know if I'll get sober again. And, so there's that. I mean, uh, of course, a big difference is, uh, you know, I had a sponsor. I, I have a sponsor and that sponsor uh, took me through all 12 of the steps. Uh, we went out of the book and um, uh, that was, you know, uh, the first time I'd done the whole program. Um, I, obviously, that's a pretty key difference, too. Um, so. I think you've explained it really well. And um, that's my story too. You know, I came in because I was seeking relief from the bottle. Uh, little did I know that I was actually seeking relief from the self-centeredness. And, um, you know, as the daily reflection says, I learned a whole lot about myself in those attempts and, and failures. And yeah, I believe that today I just can't pick up that first drink because um, like you, I'm not sure where that's going to go. And I'm pretty sure it's going to lead to a whole lot of misery, if if not even death, you know, I don't know when that's going to happen, but, um, but clearly there's also, I mean, in the component of the, the program that's working in my life today is, 
is this spiritual awakening and that involves belief in a higher power, something outside myself. I think that's, I've heard that in your statement so far. Has that always been the case? Have you always felt like there's, there's a faith that you've had or, or a belief in a higher power and, and what, how has that changed as you've gone through recovery in this phase? Um, you know, I can't, I can't think of a time when I was a true atheist. Um, certainly lots of periods of my life where I just couldn't care less. Um, but, uh, you know, my, my conception of a higher power certainly has evolved since I, I got, um, uh, uh, since I've gotten sober this time around. You know, I I, it's, I would say that I I guess I don't have even today a crystal clear conception. You know, more I just have uh, the faith that um, you know if I do my part of the deal, you know, if I try and do the next right thing, if I avoid lying, cheating, and stealing, and try and be of service when I can, that, you know, God's going to have me covered on the other things. And the third step is like a pretty important step to me, which is, it relates a lot back to acceptance, right? So, you know, whereas before my self-centered self, when bad things would happen, whether it was you know, a flat tire or not getting the job or, um, uh, I could always, uh, you know, I'd always say, you know, why does this always happen to me? Or I could, you know, get angry and upset about that. And now, you know, when I'm practicing the third step and I'm doing what I believe is, you know, uh, my part and something bad happens, uh, I can, I, 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 I can, kind of accept it as, you know, God's got a plan, um, you know, that maybe I just don't understand um, this particular thing. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's like, and, and I mean, this has happened to me in reality a bunch of times, right? It's like, uh, there's a job that I really, really wanted, um, you know, I prepared for that job. Uh, I did, did my best for the interview, um, really, really wanted it, really, really wanted it. And, uh, you know, uh, didn't get it. And, you know, it seemed pretty, seemed pretty tragic, but, you know, um, what happened was there was something better for me around the corner, you know, um, and that's, you know, things like that have happened a whole lot in sobriety. So, so again, I'll just reiterate one thing. I don't have a crystal clear conception of God, even after being sober for six years, I have just the faith that God's got my back. Uh, you know, as long as I don't drink, try to do the right thing, be of service. And, uh, and so far it's proven to be the case, right? Like not, uh, I haven't really had anything that I, I couldn't overcome. So, uh, well sober. I love that. And I, I completely relate. I feel like the more time and sobriety I have, the less of a crystal clear conception of God I have, you know, but I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to walk with the God of my understanding. And it's a beautiful thing. So the daily reflection says, 
It amounts to a clear recognition of what and who we really are. So we're talking about the fifth step a little bit, illuminating what and who we really are, followed by a sincere attempt to become what we could be. And I'm just curious if you could speak to us a little bit about what do you think you could be? What are your dreams for yourself for the future? My sponsor does always emphasize, you know, our primary purpose, stay sober and help another alcoholic to achieve sobriety. I feel that that is AA's mission. And as a member of AA, that is, you know, a big purpose of my life. However, you know, it's not the only purpose of my life. Uh, I can say that, that I have had the opportunity and I hope that I get to continue um, being a good father to my two daughters. Um, they're doing great. And, you know, they've got a pretty, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the greatest father, but they got a pretty solid dad. Um, and, and I'm able to, to take care of them. I'm able to be there for my wife when she has crises. Um, I do sometimes, uh, you know, I, I was pretty grandiose before I got into the rooms, you know, when it, uh, whether it was, uh, you know, wanted to be famous actor or, you know, whatever it was, a big star, um, one way or another, you know, I think looking forward, what, what I could, you know, what a goal could be for now. Uh, my two focuses right now are my family and, you know, our well being, And then, and then AA and it would be nice, I suppose, to grow into having um, purpose, you know, a greater purpose in terms of being of service at, at some higher level or, uh, you know, getting to, you know, like climate change, for example, is a really, you know, it's, to me, it's like the, you know, most important issue of our time, right? Like there's lots of, there's lots of tragic things in the world that, that need uh, good service workers and need charity, right? There's hungry people in the world, there's diseases, there's this and that. But to me, that, that, that sort of seems to take the cake. So to be uh, someone who could contribute in that way would be uh, something I could look forward to growing towards. So, you know, there's, there's folks listening that can relate, I'm sure. Maybe they're, Maybe they're in the program. Maybe they've got some time, but maybe they don't. Maybe they're they just they did a search and found this, and they're looking for, you know, some words of advice. What might you tell someone who's just thinking that they've got a problem with drinking or drugs, and um, they're looking for a solution? Well, for me, I tried every other solution. Right? I just really, you know, I looked up on at those twelve steps on the wall, and I was like, you know, anything but that. Right. Um, I would say, uh, that while there are some steps that we really have to work, a lot of the steps are steps that you just take, you know, we take the first step, we, you know, we take the second step that you don't have to do this program perfectly. Um, that if you just have, you know, the willingness to, uh, uh, follow suggestions, throw away some of your uh, old ideas that, you know, whether it's that this can't work for me or that I can't believe in God or, uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, um, that really it's, it's just not that hard of a program, you know, like it's, 
it's not as daunting uh, as it first seems. Like as as it says in the in the big book, you know what in order? Uh, it's it's actually not the tallest of tall orders. And um, just come into the rooms and and introduce yourself, share what's going on with you, and you know when you hear that person share that really speaks to you and seems to have the kind of sobriety that you would like to have for yourself uh work up the courage to talk talk to that person after the meeting and ask them uh you know uh if if they could be your sponsor or um you know if they could could help you and you know in aa uh won't well, well, you know it's not it's never a hundred percent, but you usually find that people are eager and willing to uh, help you in your journey. So, yeah, I, I would just say open-mindedness. Uh, come in with an open mind. You know, if your way hasn't been working and you've tried everything you can think of, uh, give somebody else's way another chance. Ask somebody else, what do I need to do? and follow their suggestions and see what happens. Give it 90 days, 90 meetings in 90 days, as well as with the sponsor and following their suggestions to the best of your ability. And if after 90 days of doing that with the sponsor, who's taking you through the steps, um, if it doesn't work out, (laughs) it's going to work out. Basically it'll work out. (laughs) No, So, yeah, that's what I got. I love that. It's great advice. It does work if you work it. So excellent advice. Tamara, thank you so much for stepping up and doing this with us today. It's been an amazing conversation. You're a great person. Thank you for doing this. Oh, thank you. Yeah, this was, um, I appreciate you, uh, you know, asking me, and you know, I, yeah, I need to do stuff like this. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Daily Reflection Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. You can read stories of recovery from our community at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great day. This podcast produced by Lee McGinnis and Michael Lynn. Audio editing services by Jeff Bain.